Welcome back to The Francisca Show, a Jewish coffeehouse podcast where we encourage fellow artists and entrepreneurs to collaborate and support each other while sharing their stories. I am Francisca, a singer, composer, music producer, coach, and also your host. Hi, welcome back to The Francisca Show podcast. Today is a special episode I created for you. We actually have six women on this episode. The purpose of this podcast episode is to bring you out-of-the-box entrepreneurs who are creating businesses out of something that they have created. So if you haven't noticed yet, I became a coach and now I'm trying to teach women who sing or who have a specific special talent that they don't have to only have that in their hobby box. They can also create a business that can thrive based on the talents and skills that complement their passion. So this is to spark some ambition within you. This is to show you that there is a way to monetize your skills. Just like I said in the 100th episode, I found a way and I'm so happy that I have. And now I would love to guide and help women like you figure out what your thing is and how you can build a business model that will prioritize your work, that will allow you to have the income, or the money you need to put into your passion projects and your hobby, as well as support your family. So I really hope you appreciate this episode I've created for you. And please do reach out to me if you would like to talk about or even just simply lightly discover if there's any possibility for you to create a business around what you do. If you're listening to this podcast and you're like, Francisca, I just like listening to people's stories and stop selling me stuff or stop telling me to create a business. I want to hear from you too, okay? And I have created a an email list that I am building. So if you would like to have some weekly doses of inspiration and a nudge from yours truly, please do email me to subscribe. Without any further ado, enjoy the show. Now we have the joy and pleasure to speak with Rebbe Simbachan Grossman from Israel, and we're, we'll dive right into here. So Rebbe Simbachan, can you tell us shortly what you do and how you serve people? Hi, thank you. Um, so I help high achieving women get a better marriage. And I think that one of the coolest things is to watch their transformation and how they start out by not believing it's real, not believing it's possible, sort of just giving up because they tried everything, quote unquote, and they're a little skeptical when they start and then watching it transform over and over again from like one week to the next and just all these layers shed and and all this stuff just sort of untangles and it's my favorite part so that's what i do that's really beautiful and so needed so so needed so thank you for providing the service let me ask you this where do you find your clients or how do they find you so i started out on youtube so i have a youtube channel called uh robinson bapren grossman that's my name and I started Connected for Real, which is connectedforreal.com and on Facebook. I have a Facebook page, and that's really where I show up uh, consistently and also on my Instagram, Connected for Real. And that's really where people are finding me, mostly through there. Word of mouth, networking. I mean, you know, started doing a bunch of lives. So on Facebook Live and YouTube Live, the summer series is just really fun because I get to talk to different people. So it's been really exciting. That's amazing. Okay, so here we go to the fun things where you get to be a little vulnerable with us and share the inside scoop on how and what it's like to run a business. Uh, that That's an online service-based business that is especially for women and probably anyone listening to this podcast can benefit from what you're doing. So tell us what your greatest challenges are. Easy. So my greatest challenge is a lot of mindset. It's 
I'm not where I should be. I should be more ahead. You know, I should be charging more. I should, whatever it is that is sort of like fighting reality and taking things, you know, sort of for granted. Like, I don't even look to notice how far I've come. I've been growing constantly, with consistently, without even kidding. Like a baby, every two weeks is, is like new clothes and new things. And, oh, my gosh, how did I get here? And how did I get so far? And it just keeps growing and growing and growing. And I don't even look at it. I don't see it. I just see far ahead of, like, where I need to be and where I should be and where other people are. And that is... And because I'm aware of it, it's really, you know, it's normal. It's great. I could be kind to myself and say, wake up. Don't don't fall into there. You know, I, I am really good about working on myself like I work with my clients. So I try always to pull myself back and to be really conscious about it. But it's everybody has something, you know. And so I'm not scared to tell you guys all about it because I think it would help everyone else going through it. Um, it's just, you know, it's just about appreciating where you are and taking a deep breath. And anytime you find yourself thinking those things, think on purpose and bring yourself back to where I am right now. Okay. So since the focus of this podcast, at least originally on creatives and women who are creative and build businesses or their passion projects based on that, what would your one piece of advice be? And I'm sure you have plenty, but if you had to choose one thing, what would it be? So first of all, because they are creatives, I'm going to talk specifically to creatives. I'm also a creative. I told you I was a graphic designer. Um, and by the way, one of my support things for myself, like my self-care is just stopping everything and taking out water paints and just watercolors and turning on music and painting some flower. Oh, it's amazing. Um, get to know what works for you because you are creative. The system doesn't work for you. The structure doesn't work for you. And you're going to feel and believe and think that you have to do it a certain way in order for it to work. You have to follow a certain formula in order for it to work. And because you're creative and you're so artsy and you just want to do it your way and out of the box, you're going to beat yourself up constantly that you can't fit into the box and that it's not working out for you. And you work so hard to discipline yourself and to get yourself on a schedule and to put yourself in this thing that isn't fitting you. And instead of just finding your own self within your own life and within your own strengths and everything, you beat yourself up and push yourself down and hold yourself from succeeding by not being kind to yourself. And so my biggest, biggest um, tip I could give you right now is just stop everything and think of what fills you up, what makes you happy, what grounds you and do that thing make it part of your day like don't create an entire structure for yourself I'd rather you go with the flow throughout the day but just start the day with something that is the one thing for you and that's something that I work with my with my clients too because in marriage we think that or we hope that our husband makes you know, figures out how to make us happy and then he makes us happy and then we're happy. But by the way, I'm going to give you a total spoiler. If you don't know what makes you happy, then he can't do his job. And then it's a real frustration. So find what makes you happy, find what grounds you, find what helps you succeed and then build that into your day and do it every single day and track it because when you see it, visually because you're visual people when you see it visually you will see it starts to build up it starts to chain you know in like the bullet journaling language 
you start seeing all these long lines of little boxes that turn into something and your life starts to work, flow, things are starting to actually accumulate. That's when you know you're, you've found the thing that works for you. And that one thing is not something that works for someone else. That's the hard part is because you're so creative, you can't just take a book that says, start your morning this way and you will be successful because that's not going to work for you. And you can't take what someone else said helps them. I have a client who took upon herself to drum every single morning for 15 minutes. It completely changed her life because drumming fills her up. But someone else took upon herself to take a nap for 10 minutes every day. Like not take a nap, just be horizontal. That's all she needed. She just needed some quiet and no shoes and be on a bed. So totally personal, totally unique to you. And don't lose that because it's going to keep you going and it's going to give you momentum. So that is my biggest piece of advice. Love it. Yeah. And where can people find you, Rebetson? Batson. So connectedforreal.com connected for real on Facebook, on Instagram, and Robertson Batran Grossman on YouTube. And uh, I guess, you know, you could link it up and they will find me. Amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, so welcome on to this special episode. We have Nechamadina Zwiebel here with us and we'll get right into it. So Nechamadina, please tell us what you do and who you serve. Okay, so I'm a psychological kinesiologist. I've been trained in treating trauma and um, specifically with National Institute of Clinical Association of Behavioral Medicine. And I also um, have just been recently trained as a magnetic mind coach, which has definitely added to a lot of the things that I can do to serve my audience, my clients. Um, I'm also very passionate about Hasidic teachings. And so I blend all of them together. And I also love to use melody as part of my work as well, uh, because the specifically the Hasidic melody is really high level frequencies, and they can put a person into a state almost where it's so easy to suggest anything positive for the person, visualization. And I actually use it as part of my treating trauma as well. So um, one of the very powerful, um, I would say my signature program is about gently helping people release trauma uh, from inner childhood, sometimes past life, or any relationship that they're dealing with now that may not be um, pos you know, a positive relationship for them. I'm able to help people do that um, in a very gentle way and in a permanent way. And besides that, once I help them do that, I actually help them replace, I facilitate their deepest inner wisdom to come forth through that. And so I facilitate that with them. Um, I generally believe very strongly that my clients have their truth inside of them, and I'm a very strong proponent and passionate about people speaking their own truth. So I'm mostly just a facilitator of helping people really hear their own deepest truth and, you know, and their gifts that they want to be bringing to the world. Um, the people that I serve are people that have high-level conscious awareness. Um, they've done a lot of, lot of healing, a lot of inner work, and they reach that point where it's like, okay, I, I don't want to even be in that story anymore. I just want you to like help me get out of it and move into where I can serve people and I can be the most effective in what I do. And so that's what I do. Okay. Well, this sounds so incredible and so useful and helpful. How in the world do you find your clients? <laughs> <laughs> that's a really good question. So I've been operating as what we would call a mom and pop shop for about uh, 15 years now and literally it's just um, I've done workshops and classes and then I have my clients that come from my live workshops and then I give classes every single day and I have clients that come from there and besides that it's literally word of mouth so I get random texts all the time of you know so-and-so suggested and so-and-so recommended and it's really literally organic word of mouth and um and I think uh, for anyone listening out here, you did mention a few key things. One is you've been doing this for 15 years, so that's enough for word of mouth to go around. And the second thing is you have enough successful clients or 
people who have achieved their goals or have transformed enough to have shared with other people and referred others to you. So now to the fun stuff. Be a little vulnerable with us. Tell us what has been the most challenging thing for you in your business or to grow your business. That's been an interesting journey for me because 16 years ago when I landed on my back and I was for a very short time permanently paralyzed, I mean, not permanently, sorry, temporarily paralyzed. Um, and that's how I got into this whole work. That's why I do all this work. I realize emotional, mental, physical, spiritual components all work together. Um, I realized that I needed to really learn things that I did not know anything about. And so that's how I started combining all these different pieces and became very um, mastered pretty much what I do. And then the next stage now is everyone's telling me, you know, this has to get out there. You need to go online. You need to become more public. You need to be more seen. You need to be noticed. And that was really, really uncomfortable for me. Um, first of all, I like to do my things in person and I like to work with one-on-one. And um, I needed to go through a lot of my own inner limiting belief systems and let them go to be willing to go out there in public. Um, I have been doing a lot of, of uh, work on that first internally and also I've been doing my best just like I tried to get a bunch of different skills in the work that I do. Now I'm getting different, I'm uh, taking different courses and classes and then did a whole bunch of very high level professional and um, high performance type of coaching work with people. I mean, I, I was Brendan Burchard, I was coached by his high performance coach and then I did all, I bought all these different types of programs to try to figure out a way to get my message out, to try to market my message, to try to um, zero in on my message, et cetera. And so I'm in the process of that. And um, at this point, I'm working with um, a couple of coaches to help me get a course out online. And so my main, my main release mechanism program, the one that um, gently releases the trauma is presently being created as a course. And from there, I'm, I'm going to be moving out online. It's a lot of um, internal like uh, shifts because I just am, I'm the type of person that I like to speak to people one-on-one and I don't like to market myself and I don't love sales. It's just not my thing. And now I'm, I'm going to figure out a way to authentically show up even in sales and marketing. And for anyone listening here, I just love, I would love to just point out, and I hope this helps you with your journey of being more visible, because I think that's your theme right now. (laughs) You know, you have an issue, you figure out how to conquer it, how to build on it, how to step over it, how to move through it instead of hide away. And especially artists or any content creators out there, it's so easy to just hide, to run away, to say, you know, this is not for me. It's not modest. It's not in our spirit. It's not the creative way. You know, it's not totally. our artistic thing to do. We, 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 we're not business minded. We're not strategists. We like to go on the flow and when it feels good. So anyway, this is for you. If, if you are like shaking your head, I know you are. This, this is amazing. It's so great to be talking to you about this because, you you know, you're being totally honest and open about what your experience is and what you're doing about your weaknesses or your the new things that are new to you. So kudos to you. Let's keep going. If you have one piece of advice for anyone listening, what would it be? Whatever it is that you feel about yourself, if you feel incapable incompetent, unworthy, shattered, broken, used, all these types of um, unnecessary limiting belief systems that somehow you've been given as a child or by the experiences that you've experienced, know that the way you are seen by your divine creator, by, by literally by Hashem, by God, is that you are whole, you are pure, you are holy, you are strong, you are invincible, you are worthy. And that whatever you're telling yourself, the opposite is true. That whatever it is that you've experienced, even in your journey up until now, the purpose of that was actually to transform it, to access the deepest wisdom inside of yourself, that you are going to bring clarity to someone else who has a blind spot. 
and someone else's, you know, clarity, someone else's blind spot is your clarity and someone else's uh, clarity is your blind spot. In other words, we, we each, whatever it is that we're going through, the purpose of that is literally so that it should be transformed into this greatest, greatest radiant type of wisdom. And when we are able to understand that, then we realize how worthy and holy we are. And literally, like, just know that whatever it is that happened to you, no matter what happened to you, it really does not reflect on your value at all. Your value is actually really strong, pure, and whole. And whatever happened to you was taken. It was, it was like your light was captured. And it's time for your light to be literally released and redeemed. And the world needs your light. And especially if you're feeling small and especially if you're feeling like insignificant and who's going to listen to you and, and who's going to really pay attention to what you have to say, the actual opposite is true. The actual opposite is true. The more you feel like no one's going to pay attention to what you have to say, that means that you really need to stand up and say what you need to say because it's really significant and we all need it. We all need each person's truth. That is how we're going to create a whole society by everyone standing up and saying their truth, specifically when it comes from the brokenness that they've experienced before. Wow, this is so brilliant. <laughs> this is so deep. I love this because, you know, if you think about it, if you're looking for a weight loss coach, for example, do you want to get just some skinny person that never had to deal with, you know, transforming themselves and who will be like, you know, just do this, just do this. It's so much more powerful to have someone who has overcome their challenges. The same thing with business, the same thing sometimes with, you know, religious seeking or any other thing. People connect to people and they want to learn from people who have overcome the, those same challenges that they're dealing with. So yes, I love how you just totally packaged it in a way that whatever your challenge is, that's your that that's your calling potentially to transform it and be a leader and 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 shine your light to other people. Uh, where can people find you? Um, <laughs> that's a good question. I'm in the process of creating an online presence, so right now I have um, my email address that people can reach me there, radiantu101 at gmail.com. I have my, you can Facebook messenger me because I do have a Facebook page. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Nechamadina. Welcome to the show, Jody Free. Thanks for coming on to this cool episode. So tell us shortly what you do and who you serve. Yeah, awesome. So I am an empowerment coach and I work with women in two areas. One area is to bring travel and adventure back into their lives. It's something that I find so many women just give up when they delve into motherhood. And um, something that I wasn't willing to and then decided to help spread that love and enable that for other moms. So that's one thing. And the other is general empowerment work. Um, a lot of times, I work with women who are struggling with co building confidence or feeling really secure and grounded in their mothering and their motherhood journey. So I'm a podcaster, I'm a coach, I'm a writer, and um, yeah, super excited to serve this community. That's awesome. Can you tell us about how and where do you find your clients? Yeah, awesome. So I find my clients um, a few ways, um, sometimes through Facebook groups or, you know, just general Instagram, like marketing. Also, um, through networking with other coaches, other women in business, other authors, and really serving. I love just working with other entrepreneurs who, um, in a really collaborative way, and we share, you know, our communities. And a lot of times I get clients from that, you know, just from having a presence in other people's worlds or from them having a presence in mine. And um, yeah, and that's, that's how I typically find my clients. Um, and then, of course, there's a word of mouth aspect as well. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like because we're doing this 
as our second round because our first one never got recorded for some horrible reason. Uh, you're answering your questions so much more concisely. <laughs> it's awesome. Much less editing for me. Um, God, I'm so, glad. Yeah. Tell us about your biggest challenges in your business. Yeah, um, my biggest challenges in business. My biggest challenges in business, honestly, are all the personal stuff. I had no idea when I embarked on this journey how much just like gunk and goo I would have to work through in order to really like come out and be able to serve in a really awesome and like balanced way. So give um, us some examples. So, yeah, so that, <laughs> that's been a challenge. So for example, when I started on this journey, I thought, okay, all I need is strategy. I need the, I need the sum, I need the equation, right? X plus Y equals clients, equals money, you know, all of that. What I didn't realize was that I actually had a lot of inner work to do on my confidence, my own confidence, my own self-worth issues, my own, um, my mindset. You know, there's so much that was holding me back from having a breakthrough or making a sale that I didn't even realize. And when it comes down to it, I learned that it's not a matter of just a formula, you know, X plus Y equals, equals clients equals money. It's really much more than that. It's much deeper than that. And while that has been a humongous struggle, it's also been, I think the greatest gift because I've been able to see my growth as a person over the past few years and really you know, use that to enable me to inspire others and help other moms on their journeys. Yeah, that's really beautiful. Um, can you tell us or share with us a piece of advice for anyone listening? Any piece of advice? Um, this might sound harsh or come across the wrong way, and I, I don't want people to take this the wrong way, but really, truly just get out of your own head. And sometimes I find myself needing to take my own advice, but there's so many stories that we tell ourselves every day. I'm not good at this. I'm ineffective. I'm an ineffective businesswoman. I'm an ineffective mom. Um, you know, so many things that, um, you know, can bring us down. And so sometimes we just need to take a breath and like reframe that and get out of our own heads in order to make the impact that we want and, you know, show up as the mother we want to be, as the businesswoman we want to be. Um, so, yeah, get out of your own head and take that in a positive way. <laughs> totally. And where can people find you? People can find me on Instagram. My handle is Love Adventure Mom. They can find me on Facebook. I have um, a Facebook page and a group called the Empowered Jewish Mom Movement that you can join. Um, I also have a growing YouTube channel and, of course, my podcast, which is called Two Mom Life. And you can find that on um, Stitcher, iTunes, anywhere you get your podcast. Welcome to the show, Tamara Weinberg. It's so great to have you. We're excited to learn about your products and services, and I'll give you the floor. So Yeah. Thank what, you. Thank you so much for having me. You're so welcome. Tell us who, what you do and who do you serve? Yeah, so I created a mental health personal fragrance brand, which is a very weird hybrid of things that I would say we're still trying to educate in industry. Um, my story comes from working in the startup space. I was literally there for the last... Uh, I've, been, I've been there for about 15 years, just working in a, a plethora of different industries, uh, e-commerce, tech, and the like. And that experience gave me a lot of experience in managing remote teams, kind of working with supply chains and all these various things. Never thought I was going to serve anybody. I always thought, well, at least in this context as like an impact, I thought it was going to serve the superiors and the companies that I was working for. Uh, found myself... In uh, 2009, I started having children, and I had postpartum depression. That postpartum depression 
ended up uh, lasting for subsequent births of my other children until I finally hit a rock bottom. And at the rock bottom is when I literally, I would wake up, I would go through the motions and then I would go to sleep. That was it. Um, but that actually was a really good thing for me because I had no, like I woke up, I didn't have any expectations for anything. And one day I finally, I, I found this tiny little vial of perfume, maybe like the size in a cabinet and I put it on. Um, when you're depressed, you don't care what you look like. You definitely do not care what you smell like and putting that on because I had no ex desires. I didn't like, I didn't really want to live for anything. Uh, I think that kind of really helps because you know, perfume in general, the marketing of perfume is let me seduce the people around me. Let me be sexualization for external approval. Uh, for me, obviously that was not my intent. I didn't care. And that changed everything for me. It, you know, we have five senses. And I think that when it comes to this, the sense of smell, we really take it for granted. We don't care about anything at all. So the fact that I was able to have this experience made me realize I, I started wanting to live. I decided I wanted to start smelling things. I would go to Sephora and I would like, because I was the best thing out there, I would buy perfumes and I like spray all the way up here, like sniffing my arm. <laughs> like it was the weirdest thing. I probably smelled great though, but people were probably like, what is that person doing? And that was the thing. I was so excited. I was trying it out and I'm like, I, every experience with a new scent had the same impact for me. The more I tried something, the more I started feeling alive again. And so I said to myself, this is not something like going back to the whole seductive purpose of a product that was not for me. It, it literally bought me out. It saved my life. And in 2019, I started working toward a brand called Tamar and I launched in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, I was sort of like, I was trying to be careful. It's very hard to like buy a fragrance these days. But then again, it's the right time to do it because that's the entire mission. You do it for yourself. You don't do it for other people. So who am I serving? I'm serving every single human being on this planet who could benefit from feeling good for themselves. That's very niche. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Okay, so since your launch, how have you started selling yet? And if so, who is your clientele? I know you're serving everyone, but who is buying? Yeah. So that's a really great question. So I did a crowdfunding campaign. I had a, like a pretty soft launch of the crowdfunding campaign over the last couple of months and it just ended last week. Um, and the, it was successful, but we're, st I'm still figuring most of that out because everybody can benefit from this, but I still think it's, it's an education. You buy perfume. Perfume has really been commercially available for pretty much like the last hundred years. But again, when you look at perfume marketing, like just Google like a perfume ad and you'll see, so it's, it's ha scantily clad women or men. And that's, that's how it's communicated. And for me, I'm just thinking to myself, that's, I don't even respond to that. In fact, the reason why I stopped wearing perfume was because I always thought about it that way. And I'm like, that's never going to be my mission. I'm not into that kind of like that. The sexualization of the product is just definitely not for me. So I still like, you know, I, like I said, it performed really well. I think people really, when I started communicating the story to friends and family, because that's usually what a crowdfunding campaign is for in the beginning, it's sort of like a validation of the idea. I had a lot of people go back to me um, with, I never thought of wearing perfume for myself. It actually is a great idea. And then I shared my story about how perfume brought me out of depression. And several people actually came back to me and they said, wow, perfume brought me out of depression too. I'm so happy that you're making a movement out of this. So there is that. And then I have the other side where, um, you know, you ask what crowdfunding campaigns, you're supposed to kind of ask for support. And I had some people saying, well, I don't wear perfume or my wife doesn't wear perfume. So I'm not your target market. And I say to myself, first of all, it's unisex. Second of all, the whole idea is why doesn't she wear perfume? Because she's not trying to seduce you. It's not about that. It's for her, for her, it's for her to feel good for herself. So who's my target market? It's anybody, but there's the people who wear perfume don't see mental health as necessarily being like a thing it's necessary for them. And the people in mental health who might like struggle and everybody does, I mean, depressed people versus like people who are having a hard day, everybody has struggles or human. Um, they don't see fragrance as necessarily helping them get out of it yet. So that that's the, that's probably a bigger draw and a bigger conversation. 
but it's an education. It's very, very, it's a lot more difficult than it needs to be. It's hard. Well, let me just give you an idea. How about you serve people in depression? Right. No, so I have, but they don't see for suffering with beneficial. That's the thing. There's essential oils and essential oils kind of is there, but when it comes to the personal fragrance side of things, personal fragrance is a very, very different conversation. And, you know, but I love the idea. Like, you know, one of my biggest draws for myself is, you know, right now we're in a, in a moment where meditation is, is highly, highly recommended as being necessary. And, um, you know, calm and hit space, the, the two, they're the two apps that are getting tons and tons of like appeal. And you sit there for 10 minutes and you listen to some guy and you have your eyes closed and you're supposed to like, you know, sit up with whatever it is. Um, you like, and then five, five, ten, five, ten minutes later, you're done and you're like, what did I, what just happened? I don't think I got anything out of it. The whole idea is that it's supposed to give you some element of mindfulness. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't mean to like, and I, and I happen to have a paid subscription to, uh, to one of the services here. Um, but, but then you're like five, 10 minutes later, you're like, what did I really accomplish? And it is about bringing you in the present. But what if you could do that throughout the day? What if you put on perfume in the morning, you went like this, and then you remembered why you did it in the morning and then you revisited that throughout the day. I'm trying to normalize the act of sniffing, but like you do it because it feels great. And all of a sudden, like, it just reminds you why, why did you start? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a completely different conversation. And it's something that I would think like depression people don't really respond to it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I hear you. Okay. So super cool. Let's go to what's the most challenging aspect of the business. Yeah, I think it's really about the education part. I think the challenge that I have right now is that there is still a very, very good conversation uh, that needs to be had about these vulnerabilities and our struggles. I think a lot of people don't want to admit that they have issues. So I had to start getting vulnerable on my own self for about my own self, talking about my depression, talking about all of these things. Um, it's really, really, really important that I like I have to thrust myself out there so that other people can start communicating with me personally. Um, I think people seeing fragrance as a solution to the problem is a completely different uh, conversation as well. It's a completely different place where I don't think the world really sees sees this as helping. You know, we have but we have five senses and we're not really using our fifth sense, and that's that's the most important thing. And it, it, the biggest struggle is, is climbing that, you know, climbing that mountain and getting people to recognize. If you ask someone, if I asked you, what did you eat yesterday? You will have an answer. What did you wear yesterday? You will have an answer. What did you watch yesterday? You will have an answer. What did you potentially listen to yesterday? You will have an answer. You probably can definitely answer that because you do a lot of that music stuff. What did you smell yesterday? You look at me like, what in the world are you talking about? <laughs> like, and that's the story that I'm trying to change. I want people to be like, I smell this and it's amazing. Yeah. Well, my brain is popping with tons of ideas, but this no, is we need to talk awesome. Then. Yes, we do. Okay. So, uh, next question would be this. Uh, if, if you, if anyone here listening is launching a product or is dealing with a lot of education for their business, what would your piece of advice be for them? Um, First of all, it's really important to not do it by yourself. I am like, I was depressed and part of being depressed is because I liked being a hermit. I liked being isolated. I liked working from home. I liked all of those things. And yet I think I liked it so much that I literally like isolated from myself and I didn't want to do anything with anybody else. I think it's really, really, really hard for anybody to do, go at anything alone at the end of the day, I'm selling to people. So I need to be able to be with people. Uh, so that's part of it. I think it's really about like, like-minded connecting with like-minded individuals and being accountable to each other, surrounding yourself with communities that are all growth mindset oriented communities, um, and supporting each other. It's like, you know, one of the things when I was really depressed, I had, I totally embraced the scarcity mindset you're succeeding. I'm not, I'm jealous. I'm just going to be angry at you. I don't really, where am I going to, what am I going to solve? I'm not solving any problems. I'm just going to be angry. Now I have this abundance mindset. And for me, that's so much more beneficial. I'm just like, everybody can benefit from each other's expertise, from the networks, from connections, 
from, you know, just listening to each other. I think it's, it's sharing and, and I don't mind giving everything away. I've actually, you know, I'm a brand new brands. I consider myself. And yet I've had two conversations with people who want to start brand new perfume brands. They're competitors, but they're not because if we help each other, we can help ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when there's a lot of education to do. So by combining your audiences or combining your resources, you could actually grow the pie. Um, but I love what you're saying. It's so true. Thank you. Um, I definitely agree with your, uh, (laughs) your piece of advice here. I feel like there's nothing to disagree with. So where can people find you? On, I own tomorrow.com. I own on Instagram at tomorrow. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Welcome to the show, Yael Trush. Uh, We'll start right off with having you introduce who you are, what you do, and who you serve. Beautiful. Well, thank you for having me here. Um, I am the Jewish Latin princess, or so they call me. I help Jewish women live a joyful, richer life by helping them make more money doing what their soul is being called to do, fulfilling their soul's mission and becoming great custodians of that money. And the way I serve these Jewish women in this way is several. I, as you know, I host a podcast by the name Jewish Latin Princess. That's the name of my brand. And I also have a signature course called Jewish Money Makeover, which I do. It's actually a program, not a course. Um, it's just a word that people are more used to, but it's a signature program and I do it both in English and Spanish, which I'm actually finishing now. And I'm opening again in the fall and I'm a keynote speaker and a columnist. So I do it. I do all of that in many different ways, the podcast, the writing, the public speaking and the signature program. Wow. Beautiful. Yeah. Really encompassed. So who is your ideal client? My ideal client is Jewish women who are ready to infuse Jewish wisdom into their financial and business lives. And they're, like I said, they're ready to step up to a place where they want to be doing something that is aligned with their soul's mission. And they want to have a relationship with money that is a positive one, that they're really being amazing agents and custodians of that blessing that is abundance. Love that. So how do you find your clients and where... Yeah. So it's an amazing thing because the podcast I would say is one of the best sources for me in terms of, I have a relationship with my audience that is built on trust, right? I come, I've served them. I serve them every week. There's an intimacy when you're listening to somebody on audio, right? Um, so that's one place. There's obviously also the connection through my newsletter. I'm pretty active in, you know, being, um, talking to my audience. And I try to do that regularly, at least every week. And then there's social media. And it's interesting because there's a lot of crossover. And also because I serve the Spanish market and the American market, um, there is a lot of crossover. Um, and I'll find people who find my program through social media, but they didn't even know about the podcast, right? But then they'll convert to podcast listeners. And then I'll find podcast listeners who find out about my programs. They, they pretty much, they know, right. But when I first was started with a program and they'll convert into, you know, part becoming part of my program. And then in terms of keynote, right, it's the same thing, right. If organizations hear about me and I get hired and I'm speaking publicly very often, I, I, I speak about my work and what I do. Right. So then I drive people into both either to the podcast or the program automatically, they go into my newsletter, you know, and so on and so forth. I have a Facebook, a private Facebook group also that I opened a few months ago, Jewish Money Matters. So I have people there who are not yet on the podcast. So it all kind of like felt, they, they all complement each other and work beautifully. Yeah, that's great. So it's really self-made. Like you have all these different platforms and that's where you, I guess, groom or, or create your clients. Yeah, exactly. That's how, that's how I nurture the relationship. It's all about relationship. It's all about intimacy. I mean, for me, sales is intimacy. It's a, it's a trust relationship. Uh, and that's, that's, those are the different ways in which I nurture those relationships. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Okay. So what would you say your biggest challenges in your business right now? What are your biggest challenges? 
I'll tell you what it is. My biggest challenge, and I think a lot of people could relate to this in your audience or probably yourself, is working on the business and not in the business. So you get to a point where you have to be really careful not to get stuck working in the business because you have to be working on the business. Only you can create that strategic content. Only you can, you know, that just depends on you. But then it comes to a point where you have to hire people to really manage the stuff that really needs to get done behind the scenes instead of you getting stuck working on those little things. So there's always that I, Baruch Hashem, thank God I have somebody really capable now helping me. Um, and I've had her already for a couple months. So that is, that is that, that beautiful balance of stepping back and saying, I need to hire somebody to take care of this because I need to be working on the business in order to serve more people in a better way. But if I'm tweaking technology or copy or landing pages or I can't be serving. I can't be creative. I can't be talking to those humans in the way I need to be talking to them. And I love that because many women, I'm sure who are listening to this right now, are thinking, all this sounds so intimidating and there's so much, and technology and just there's so much to navigate. So hearing that, you know, you can transition as quickly as you'd like to out of the whole nitty gritty and focus on your actual content is a great thing to point out. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely can. Obviously you have to, at, at the beginning, there's a lot of gorilla. You have to do certain things. Like you might not at the beginning be able to pay somebody to do it, but you have to pick and choose and you have to always have in mind where you're going to invest in your business, how you're going to invest in your business because you need to be working on the business. Love it. Love it. So what would your one piece of advice be to anyone listening? Hmm, let's see. Well, that was a pretty good one. Uh, work on well, let me just position this question. Okay, yeah. fine. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I would say, oh my gosh, I have, I have three that come to mind, but I'll give you one. And if you want two more, I'll give them to you. Okay. All right. The number one that came to mind is focus on money making activities. That that's, that's really top of mind. Like, and I think a lot of very often, and I could say this for myself, um, we make the mistake and we forget that it's a business is not a hobby, right? It goes a little bit back to what I was saying. So focusing on money making activities is really, really important. Like is that blog post really needed? You know, no creating the program and making that offer. That's what's important. Right. Um, then there's always being generous. I'm really, for, and you know me for many years, I'm a firm believer in being generous. And you can already tell, like, I have a podcast, I have a newsletter. Always add value. Like, and the reason I say this is because you'll then never, ever have a problem selling again in your life. Like, be generous, add value. You won't be selling a thing. You're not selling. You've connected with your audience. They trust you. You have a relationship. And then the third one, and you're very gracious to let me speak, um, is be messy, be messy. Like stop thinking that you have to always have it all perfect and planned out. And what's my, what's it going to look like? And what's my, you know, depending on everybody's business, right? If it's songwriter, like just be messy, like put that offer out there, get that validation from the market, get that feedback and then iterate and iterate fast, right? Don't wait till all the pieces have been solved till, you know, I know exactly what I'm going to tell them. No, no, no. You don't really know. First tell them one little thing, then see how they react. And then you'll tell them the next thing. Love this. Okay. So a little bit back to the question before, because you said, what was the challenge? And then you sort of said how you've overcome that challenge. So back to what's your challenge. I'll bring up a question. Yeah, let me phrase it this way. Uh-huh. You have been challenged with being able to monetize what you're doing. And I think many of yeah. our listeners here are either right now in this space. So the question is, what changed for you? What has happened for you or what did you do? to finally start monetizing what you're doing because what you have been doing until you started creating your programs was tons of work, but it wasn't the classic way of, you know, you go to school and then that translates into a job. How, how did that go for you? Love the question. What turned the wheel is deciding what problem am I solving? 
What problem am I solving for you? And this is something that I had a really hard time. It took me a long time because for many years, I was just speaking to Jewish women who had many, many problems. And I kept saying, I see four big problems, but there's really one of them that's really unique to me, to my personal experience, and that I could talk about till I'm blue in the face. Like I'll never get tired about it, right? I could talk about money and making money in my sleep, right? It's And, and also because I had so much experience with ups and downs in money. And, when, and so when I started talking about that, and it goes back to validating, the feedback was like, Oh, wait, 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 well, what? You didn't tell me this before. What can I hear more? And I was like, oh, there's something here. And I was like, I, I hit a raw nerve. So whoever's wondering, how do I find that? Just get very clear on what's the problem that you're solving. What's a pain point that somebody out there has that you can solve that because we all have a toolbox, right? And we all come with something unique. So look in your toolbox, toolbox, sorry, and see what is it that I'm inclined to? Where's like, what is that natural inclination? What is that thing that I gravitate towards that the world also needs? There has to be a match, right? Um, so that's really what did it for me in terms of really money-making. You know, it's getting paid for sponsorships and for speaking or whatever, really going out there and really feeling like this is generating a constant revenue and this is something that I do, you know, and I'm known for and I'm solving people's problems and then the value, you know, it's just, it's just a value exchange, right? The money is just something else that just comes naturally with it. Um, that's that's what did it for me. Love it. So how can people find you, Yale? I'm at Jewish Latin Princess on Instagram and on Facebook. And I'm on my podcast, Jewish Latin Princess. So it's pretty easy. Jewish Latin Princess. Amazing. Thank you so yeah. much. Thank you. Welcome to the show, Ellie Shevelis. I'm so excited to have you on this super cool episode. Tell us first what you do and who you serve. Sure. Okay. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, so my degree is licensed marriage and family therapist. That's my formal training. So I'm a psychotherapist. Um, when I was a little girl, I had, uh, I found recently, I found an essay that I had written from when I was a kid um, that one of those, like what I want to be when I grow up essays. And I wrote four things. I want to be a mom and a teacher and a therapist and a writer. And I must've been around seven when I wrote this. And I was like, just had this wave of gratitude when I saw that, because I really have had the opportunity to do all those things. <clears throat> so I was a, I was a mom and I was also a class teacher for about 10 years. I loved teaching. I was very passionate about it, but there were aspects of the teaching that after a while, and teacher burnout is fairly common. Um, after a while was um, not as enjoyable. I didn't love working for other people, having my schedule dictated by other people. There was a lot of paperwork, a lot of over load, you know, besides for the classroom time, um, report cards, there was a bunch of stuff about teaching that just was getting to be like, not as like, I, I just wasn't loving it anymore. So I went back to school and I became a therapist because what I love most about teaching was the, the interplay, like the conversations, the relationships, the ability to make impact. And as a therapist, I could do that more on my own schedule. The earning potential was higher and, you know, thank God has really proven to be significantly so. Uh, and when I went into private practice, I had the flexibility to make my own hours and travel. Um, so that was a real game changer, you know, being able to take that leap of, you know, going from being a professional salary based, um, you know, employee to sort of, you know, it's funny for years, I was in private practice and a friend of mine said something to me years into my practice, like, well, you know, cause you have your own business. And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm not an entrepreneur. I don't have my own business. And she's like, Alicia, what do you think a practice is? <laughs> and I was so in that mindset of like a service provider, a professional that I didn't even think of it that way. Um, and it was, that was really kind of a light bulb moment for me, basically that I didn't even realize that I had started a business until someone pointed out to me, like your practice is a business. And that really got me thinking in a, along a different wavelength about how I approach my work. I started blogging about my work and writing articles. I eventually wrote a book. Um, the book is called Find Your Horizon of Healthy Thinking, and it teaches a narrative therapy technique um, in very simple language that I developed in my practice with my clients. Um, it uses the concept of neuroplasticity, our ability to rewire our thinking. I didn't realize that I was doing this at the time, but it turns out that my blogging, I started blogging on a, a, on a website called nefesh.org. Nefesh is the International Association of Orthodox Therapists. 
And I was really just blogging for fun because I enjoyed writing and I had things to say and I was willing to talk about stuff that a lot of other therapists weren't so comfortable writing about, specifically sexual, but other things too. That picked up a lot of traction. So I never really marketed, I never, not really, I never marketed, networked, or advertised my practice. Most of my uh, referrals came through the internet, through my blog, through my book and articles because I had, you know, as a teacher, I had all these thoughts and opinions and perspectives on education. And uh, when my kids got to a certain age, I was just kind of like, I want to do this for them. And uh, it was, it was, you know, that's its own story. I could spend a few hours talking about that on its own. <laughs> but, um, but one of the things that I love about being a business owner is that now, you know, we travel a lot because we have that flexibility. Um, my husband had his own career journey, which also moved him from being employee based, um, you know, kind of work into, you know, kind of being his own boss. And, um, and we've sort of been able to design a lifestyle that's much more customized to what we want because of these sort of more creative uh, moves that we made in, in terms of our career, which is a risk. You know, both of us, the way we did it ourselves, we, we couldn't afford to sort of quit our day job. So, um, you know, I kept teaching and, you know, introducing more and more uh, therapy work until I was ready to go off on my own and have a private practice. Um, and, um, you know, I still get to teach because, you know, because of the homeschooling, because I lecture. And, um, and now the most recent project that I've undertaken, which is, you know, going from teaching to being a therapist, allowed me to segue to be my own uh, boss, <laughs> to make my own hours, to do things, more, spend more of the time doing more than I love to, or earn, you know, many times what I was earning as a teacher, as a therapist, but it was still a model of, you know, one-to-one, like I would work with one client and, you know, whatever my, uh, you know, time availability was, whatever my rate was, that that's what was there. So there's a certain ceiling in terms of impact that I could make and even income that I could generate, um, you know, even though, like I said, I've been fortunate. Um, but so what I wanted to start to do is I wanted to take a lot of this therapeutic content that I was learning through my research, through my experience and translate it into other media. So I knew I wanted to create digital courses, but I'm super low tech. Um, my, my tech coach doesn't let me say that anymore. She's like, you're not low tech anymore. You're medium tech, but, um, <laughs> I see myself as low tech. Um, and I'm learning more uh, on, on, the, on the job and I hired someone to teach me about this and I, we have a VA like I've you know kind of like slowly but surely built out you know building out a team I'm still pretty new at this um, you know but I have all this content and I started making these really like um, entry-level videos entry-level in terms of the tech involved the content is like the same sort of like advanced content that I write about but it's you know now in video form um, so I few um, video courses now. My first one was private practice pro tips. It was just basically when I do um, private supervision and consultation for new therapists. So not everybody has access to, you know, private consultation. So what I did was I took a lot of the concepts and ideas that I teach a lot of young therapists and I translated it into a very affordable course and put it on. Uh, it was not Kajabi. It was called Thinkific. Now I use Kajabi. These are just different platforms for digital courses. And um, that was the first one. It was like my maiden voyage <laughs> and um, it was really scary, but it was exciting. Um, and then the next one that I did was, I'm not sure which was first. Oh yeah, it was, um, this is my like primary project and I spent months on it. It's called Sacred Not Secret, A Religious Family's Guide to Healthy Holy Sexuality Education. Because in the course of my work, I just kept realizing how how much of a lack there was for faith-based, culturally sensitive sex ed material. Like there's a lot of sex ed material from a secular vantage point, but a lot of religious families are not so comfortable with that, that content and that approach. And so there's a lot of neglect when it comes to teaching sexuality um, in faith-based communities. So I put together a lot of stuff based on my practice and my research. And um, this was something that to my knowledge didn't exist. It could be that it does exist, but as far as my research went, it didn't. And um, that was a really, really exciting project to work on. Um, and it has proven to be um, a very worthwhile investment of time. And then, uh, and that's still going, I'm still sort of like, I just finished the primary content, but I'm always sort of tweaking it. And I love the feedback from the students because it makes me you know, make it more comprehensive. Um, the next course that I did was called So You Might Want to Homeschool. That was in response to COVID because I just was flooded with phone calls, people wanting consultation on how to homeschool. And this is a more affordable way than a private consultation with me. People can just buy the course. They get a few hours worth of the common questions and concerns people have about homeschooling. So there's that. And then the, the latest project that I just started working on this week is I don't have a good title for it yet. So if you or any of your readers have an idea, um, but it's basically like how to win at therapy as a client, like basically like, you know, what I would, I think it's great for people to know when they're going into their own therapy um, experience, things that they can do to set themselves up for success. Cause a lot of people want to do well in therapy, but they don't even, if they've never been to therapy before, if they haven't had a good experience in therapy, they don't necessarily know the things that will set them up to, you know, get the most out of it. 
So those are all of my <laughs> current projects. And um, what I love about digital course creation is that it gives me an opportunity to reach more people than I can just in the one-to-one -one model of my office or live audiences. Um, and I can share uh, therapeutic knowledge at a price point that's more affordable to other people. And in terms of like as an entrepreneur generating income, it's, it's, it's a win-win because people are paying less for the product and it, the possibility of income for me is higher because a lot of people buying, um, you know, something more affordable still, you know, translates into being very worthwhile for me. So I really, really love that. Um, and so that's what I've been up to lately. Okay. So what are your biggest challenges? And you've mentioned some of them already. Okay. So yeah. yeah, for sure. So the first one is tech. You know, I am in my forties. So, <laughs> um, which I always say, I'm not, I'm not really old enough to be this low tech. Like there are people who are older than I am who figured it out, but I'm like the last generation of people who grew up without the internet. You know, the internet kind of like hit people's homes when I was in college. And so for me, it really does feel like a second language. So, um, I'm sort of like just walking this tightrope between how much to try to educate myself versus how much to outsource and delegate to other people who are better at it and enjoy it. Um, so that's, you know, something that I'm learning on the job. Um, like I said, marketing is not something that I don't, I never thought of myself as entrepreneurial. I always thought of myself as more of a creative, not in the way that your artists, um, you know, I, I like to sing, but you know, nobody would pay to hear me sing. Um, <laughs> um, but, um, you know, but I, I just, you know, the concept of, of entrepreneurship and marketing and advertising, all of this is brand new to me. I always like kind of didn't have a good feeling about it until I started learning about how to do it with integrity and the and content marketing, you know, not just like yelling in people's faces by my stuff, but sort of just providing lots of really really good free content so that you kind of attract the audience that would really benefit from the impact that you want to offer. Um, so that's another thing that, I, that I've that i been kind of trying to play catch up with. Organization, I'm not a naturally organized person. So that's another thing that I'm trying to compensate with by trying to get a little more organized and also hire people to organize me. Um, and overwhelm. I think this is all probably the same brain center, all of these things I'm describing, <laughs> which probably a lot of your creatives are you know the same way. Um, I sometimes get overwhelmed. Like it's not uncommon for me. Like, like after or if the Shabbos, after the Sabbath, my brain will be like overwhelmed with all these ideas that I have that I have to write down really quickly because, you know, I, I have to write this article and make this lecture and connect with that person, like all these ideas and have to kind of like streamline it and finish, you know, building one bridge at a time. So those are, those are some of the things that I've been kind of working on in the last year or so, as I try to shift towards, uh, you know, taking more, you know, being more intentional about my business. Yeah, for sure. And it does sound like you're moving a lot faster now in the more recent months or even year, right? Yeah, totally. I, I didn't, I only created the first digital course, I think it was in like December, November, or December. So this new arm of, you know, I've been in private practice for over 10 years, but this new, you know, content creation, digital course stuff, this is all brand new for me. And just in time for COVID. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I, I think I have to thank COVID a little bit for it because we had so much more time at home. You know, I, <laughs> I have an interesting schedule. I see clients. I do like two or three clients in the morning and two or three clients in the evening. And the afternoons are designated for homeschooling and just life, you know. Um, but so now that we're not like, you know, doing unnecessary target runs and stuff like that, I had a little bit more time, especially in the summer when we don't have to do homeschooling. Um, you know, I had a little more time to focus on, you know, writing and making videos. I've recently, um, gotten, uh, gotten more active on Instagram. I opened an Instagram account a couple of years ago to market, to promote my book. Um, but I only really got into it in the last year. And it's actually kind of addictive. Um, <laughs> um, I've made some really nice friends on Instagram and it's so entertaining. And, um, and I've really been able to connect with a lot of people professionally and personally and kind of broaden horizons that way. So yeah, COVID has been helpful. I mean, you know, I hope everybody gets well and want anyone to be sick and reopen the world and everything. Um, but I guess I'm one of those people who thank God it did not affect in a terrible way. Yeah. Personally, yeah. If there was one piece of advice, and I'm sure you have plenty what would it be? Uh, that's a hard question because there's like so much wisdom out there. So I guess the only thing that I could say that would be versatile enough for like a very broad audience would be um, to never stop being a student. Um, you know, as you could probably tell from the careers that I've chosen, I'm very, very passionate about education. So, you know, no matter how busy life gets, and I know that that, you know, uh, you know, fluctuates over the, over the life cycle, but I always encourage people to read or watch or listen to, you know, good quality content on a variety of relevant topics, because 
you know, to an open mind, there's just always hope and possibility. Even within the therapy that I offer my clients, I'm a huge proponent of bibliotherapy, which is utilizing books and other media as part of the therapy process, because we're our best resource. And the best way we can invest in the resource that's us is just by, you know, collecting more knowledge. So I guess that would be like my advice. It definitely sounds like you are um, implementing all of this yourself because <laughs> I love to learn. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And where can people find you? Thanks. So I have my, my website just got renovated. Elishevelist.com. Um, I'm on Instagram, Elisheva at Elisheva underscore list. I don't know why they don't let me get rid of the underscore. And, um, and I just started a Facebook page. I've been on Facebook for a while, but I just started a professional Facebook page. So I guess if you look up my name, Elisheva list there also, um, and my book, um, find your horizon of healthy thinking is available on Amazon. Um, if you just search my name in Amazon, it'll come right up because there's not a lot of Ellie Shovelists for sale. And, um, <laughs> and my courses um, could be accessed through the website. So if you just go to the website and click on courses, then you could take, it'll take you to like the, you know, free version explanation of what they are. Okay. That's so wonderful. Thank you so much, Ellie Shava. Thank you so much for listening until the end. I hope this episode brought value to you. If you would like to reach out to me to talk about what you would like to do with your life, with your career, please let me know. I help women make money. I help creative, ambitious women make money. Anyway, my email is franciskakay at gmail.com. If you'd like to subscribe to my email list, please click in the show notes. Thank you. See you next time.